sleeper must awake. Welcome, everyone, to this new episode of Hopscotch Chronicles podcast. I am your host, Dominique Vallée. <laughs> uh, I'm using that term, host, very loosely because um, as uh, you maybe maybe you're able to tell already, uh, I'm very new to this. <laughs> uh, thank you for uh, bearing with me while I'm um, uh, slowly climbing that very steep learning curve of uh, interviewing people. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and actually, I mean, there's something I have to learn is um, I keep my ideas concise and uh, straight to the point. Uh, and quick apology to um, to uh, today's uh, guests, fans out there, who people who came to listen to Ian Duncan speak. Uh, quick apology if I was um, rambling a bit too much. Uh, we addressed very, in my defense, we addressed very complex uh, subjects. Uh, we went very deep. Uh, you know, kind of exploring ideas that are very hard to put into words so that it didn't really help with me being a um, uh, yeah, beginner in that uh, field. Still, very interesting conversation. Um, Ian is the, the, the kind of guest or the kind of, pe the, the kind of person actually who really, was really, really interesting and inspiring for me because, um, as knowledgeable as he is, he clearly is a mystic in the, the purest sense of the, the term, um, he, uh, yeah, he's a Taoist, uh, I don't know if I've said it already, Taoist priest, uh, Taoist teacher, but f for sure, like his, and you can, he, he talks about that in the interview, he's um, uh, kind of exploding his own um, forays into mysticism and spirituality um, far beyond just Taoism uh, to go to the the deepest aspects of the human experience, I would say. Well, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but to me, uh, that makes him uh, the perfect example of a mystic. And our conversation was great. Look out for his answer specifically, I think, was uh, very interesting. His answer uh, to the question, do discarnate entities have free will? Uh, it touches, uh, to me, actually, it touches um, to this idea of, uh, you know, that trope, that the thing we hear sometimes, uh, know thyself and you will know the universe and the gods. Uh, definitely his answer kind of opens up to that concept. All right, so he was gracious enough to uh, write a quick bio. I didn't a I didn't ask him. Usually I, re I write them myself, but he's written a really good one, so I'll read it to you right now. Ian Duncan is a mystic, a spiritual alchemist, and a Taoist priest. He transmits essential perspectives and methods direct from source, 
informed by deep study in the Tao and Dzogchen, and accomplishment in inner alchemy. Ian's directly channeled sources include ascended masters in the Taoist tradition, the celestial worthy of the numinous treasure, and Thoth. Yeah, that, that last one was very surprising to me too, and actually maybe to him. <laughs> I'll let you decide. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Ian Duncan, episode number four of Hopscotch Chronicles. Enjoy. Again, the portal has opened. <laughs> here we are. And uh, yeah, just so so people know what's going on here, uh, we had some little uh, problems as long as soon as I pressed record on the thing. Uh, how does it sound now? It sounds good. Yep, I think we're good. Cool. I think we have a bit of a lag, but uh, we'll manage. All right, yeah. so. Well, again, uh, Ian Duncan, super happy to finally meet you. <laughs> I've Likewise. heard uh, I've heard a little about you, but enough more like uh, as I was saying before we started recording. Uh, we have a friend in common, and uh, this friend many times has told me you two should meet. So, I mean. That's a good occasion. I think we have a to to just start yeah. off, start things off with a really deep conversation to get to the crux of things. <laughs> Excellent. So, how you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, great. I'm in uh, I'm in New Mexico, a little north of Taos, and it's uh, we're at eight thousand feet here and uh, looking up at the mountain, and uh, it's getting it's getting cold. And winter's coming. Oh, uh, it's been a beautiful fall. So uh, amazing, yeah! It's getting pretty cool here too. Like uh, the f fall colors. I don't know if you have that over where you are, but we have the all the orange and uh, yellow trees everywhere. So yeah, really yeah, nice. Beautiful. Um, so I'm just starting, uh, as you know, and people know, <laughs> I'm just starting doing interviews like this, and it will be a lot of fun. I think I'm going to enjoy this. And so I've been listening to podcasts for many years and a lot of uh, shows have, you know, like a traditional thing that they do at the beginning or like a traditional first question or something like that. And I really enjoy that. Like, and so I kind of thought, well, I didn't really think of it, actually. It's a question that came uh, while thinking about this encounter now and i thought wow that would make a really cool first question to ask anybody actually uh, because <clears throat> you know i'm I, i think i've seen in your bio that you consider yourself a mystic and i think i can say the same for myself um, but for me this means that uh Whatever tradition you're a part of, humanity comes first all the time. 
because even if you're in a very old tradition and but you you're not your mind is not really into it and you're not really serious um it, it won't it might do something you you know more about that than me of course but um so uh yeah so i'm trying to relate to the human uh more than for for example now the taoist or the whatever you want to call it, you know, um, because yeah, for me, like there's, the, the, I want to, I just want to get to underneath all that. And of course your, uh, uh, human experience is going to be informed by all those years you spent, uh, studying, uh, Chinese traditions. Uh, but for sure there's a human behind that. I'm convinced of that. So I think a really good, starting point could be Ian Duncan. Yep. What does a day in your life look like? <laughs> yeah, I uh, appreciate the way you articulate that. And, um, you know, the, the word mystic um, uh, shares the root with mystery and, and it's kind of an acknowledgement of, of uh, the unknown that in a sense, uh, remains unknown in spite of uh, whatever development or accomplishment you might uh, have encountered along the way. Uh, so I think uh, that uh, the specificity and individuality of a tradition like Taoism, which calls itself uh, the twofold mystery, the mystery of mysteries, the mystery beyond the mystery that can be named, um, has a uh, kind of supportive and particular relationship with uh, uh, this concept of um, a traditionless, a pathless mystery and source of these human activities. Um, my human activities as I enter the day uh, are um, meditation and prayer and uh, sometimes uh, energetic movement if something needs to be balanced um, or um, yeah sometimes sort of fitness oriented uh, movement as well uh, then that's well before dawn that's uh, kind of between two and four and um, and then by the time dawn comes around uh, I take the dogs back in the national forest here and walk up the mountain for an hour or more. And um, uh, that's a extension of my morning practice. And it's, we live in an ex exceptional place that we're grateful for every day. And um, uh, that's kind of the foundation of my day. And then uh, by that time, the kids are up and uh, I've got a 11 year old and a four year old. Um, and uh, you know, make some breakfast for the family, and and uh, get the kids off to school, and um, and then I have time for land projects and uh, computer work and reading and study and writing and um, and then sometimes teaching. I haven't been teaching in the recent past, but uh, we'll begin again soon. Um, 
And uh, yeah, and then the kids get home and it's family time again. But I have that that window for uh, productivity and exploration and being uh, in myself or in nature or, or both. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, you know, like starting with the, the term mystic, uh, it sounds, I think to some people, it can sound a bit uh, pompous and or inaccessible or something like that should be um, a Um you know, you should merit this. <laughs> you know, my first language is French, by the way. Validate it somehow, maybe. Validate. Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. I think we, we should, you know, have the right to uh, embody our own mysticism. And um, I, even if in just your description of the day, I can kind of feel it, you know, how you said um, maybe some physical movement, if uh, something ne needs to be adjusted, that requires this, this uh, type of uh, presence, um, which to me is part of the a, a mystic's path or pathless path, if you want to call it that, uh, because it re requires this presence also to to oneself and one's vehicle. So, yeah, it it's it seems embodied in within your life, within the the walks with the dogs and something like that. So. Yeah, but still, you know, it's still a human experience. And I think like a lot of people are going to relate to, I mean, if, if even if you're a Ian Duncan, I'm, I'm not going to try to pronounce your, uh, your Chinese name. <laughs> and it's all very mysterious and all the, you know, the beautiful uh, calligraphy in the back and stuff like that. There's still a human and it's uh, the starting point of uh, even the deepest uh, mystical experience, I believe. Um, so you've, uh, I'm going to uh, do an intro. I'm going to record an intro afterwards. So I, um, I'm going to tell details about, uh, I'm doing, I'm going to do a little bio uh, of you, but, um, I'm curious because I, I've, I've read the bio on your website and, um, your activities, your professional activities seem pretty wide ranging. So just in a nutshell, so we can get to the deep stuff, but still I'd like people to have an impression of uh, what, what type of work do you do uh, and what type of activities do you uh, channel your, your work into? Yeah, I mean, the way, the way I interface with um, the human realm is, is as a teacher and And that, uh, for the past decade or so, has been um, uh, very specifically a Taoist teacher, and and so I teach um, the view and methods of the Taoist path, um, and uh, but as you know, I, I'm in the midst of this kind of uh, transition back to um, more the the mystical foundation um, 
and the root of uh, all paths uh, to teach and speak and write and create and, and act from there um, rather than a named um, uh, specificity. Taoism is a tradition that I fell in love with when I first encountered it and um, I've had an extraordinary journey with um, and I've had amazing teachers and um, the methods they've given me have, have borne fruit in beautiful ways and uh, and as a teacher I've presented that uh, with this with this uh, limited lexicon uh, specific to Taoism, to Taoism in order to uh, have the opportunity to present a clear path forward for others that works. You know, that first things first, it's got to work. Second thing second, you got to, you know, the, the person hearing it has to be able to take it in and put it into practice in their lives. And Taoism uh, has been the vessel for that transmission for me for a long time. Um, and I'm in the midst of this transition, which is uh, not fully uh, culminated or realized in myself yet, but um, uh, that is a... Uh, kind of return to my broader self in the context of uh, the development and accomplishment that Taoism uh, has, uh, the Taoist methods in view have, have cultivated in me. Um, and I don't really know what that looks like yet. Um, but, uh, you know, the my natural template, as I say, is as this pattern of being meets uh, the world as one as a teacher, and, and that will uh, continue to be true. But I uh, may be prompted by uh, some recent changes in my internal experience um, uh, in which the energy that I've channeled uh, for over a decade in in my teaching that kind of when I uh, engage in a teaching context and sometimes in a creative context uh, or translation or writing um, uh, a certain energy comes through me that um, I let come through and it and it empowers and clarifies and uh, I don't know. I, you know, in a way, I think it, that's the value that I have to offer is just to be uh, a gateway for that energy. And recently, that that energy has uh, named itself as uh, both um, the Egyptian god, and I don't have any uh, previous experience with that tradition, um, except that when I first went down the Taoist path. Um, it was via a study of alchemy, which uh, I had uh, entered into and developed uh, 
as a tool and intellectual interest uh, corresponding to my um, painting practice um, and the, the painting techniques um, and methods from way back, like the earliest painting manual we have is uh, by Theosophus in the year 1100, and uh, he's Greek. And, um, you know, a lot of it is just details with this medium and this pigment, such and such a way. And, um, but uh, his context was alchemy and transforming uh, these base materials into illusion and light and luminosity and meaning. And, yeah. um, and in that context, I, I read, um, you know, hermetic writings and um, uh, circled around Western alchemy, uh, which has its origin in Egypt. Um, but I didn't have access to um, a continuous wisdom tradition like I did, excuse me, in, in the Chinese wisdom traditions. Um, and also the um, Tibetan Bun, Bun Buddhist um, mm -hmm. traditions, which they both have, uh, actually, I think they share a root, but um, they have, you know, call it 10,000 years conservatively of continuous uh, human transmission, individual to individual. And uh, it, that probably exists in the Egyptian tradition, but it's not one that I've encountered. And so you just had this sort of uh, mishmash of, of occult writings that one doesn't know what to make of uh, or, or kind of where to put it in uh, the spectrum of, of, of true to I just made this up. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, so I'm remembering that early aspect, part of my path, as I try and integrate this idea of um, direct contact and um, learning directly from both. Um, that's so, um, that's. Oh, go ahead. Well, just so just to wrap it up, like so that uh, that change in my internal experience has sort of. Uh, shaking the ground a little bit and I'm I'm uh, looking in and, and looking out and and saying you know like what uh, how can I be of service here what's what's my best use and <laughs> my intuition is that it may be something broader than uh, a Taoist teacher that it, it's simply teacher. Feels like it's uh, expanding onto uh, like a, a wider array of wisdom and wisdom traditions. And it's, it's uh, interesting because, um, well, I, I did read that in the little text you sent me that uh, uh, you had those uh, channeling experiences um, with the uh, thought and and you're <laughs> it's pretty interesting i don't i'm not sure if you can see that but in the background uh the video uh 
I, which I, I made myself. There's a picture of Hermes, which is who's usually um, um, associated with thought. So uh, yeah. that's that's pre just pretty cool little synchronicity there. Uh, yeah, and also, yeah. like um, my first uh, interview that I did uh, was with um, uh, a man called uh, Miguel Connor. Who has um, a Gnostic? Who's had a, a, a podcast on uh, Gnosticism for many years? Um, and he often says that that um, uh, we're in the age of Hermes. You know, the often seen like a, as as a, a trickster god in, in a way. You know, so yeah. uh, it makes sense that it would it. Well, to me at least, like that, this um, this energy would come up in a way, you know. And I think that's a good uh, that's a good segue for another question that I had for you because, um, as it's probably clear now, because I keep saying it, <laughs> my first uh, the thing the thing I, I uh, put the most uh importance is my is my direct experience which doesn't mean that i'm not open to other people's um but i'm so i'm i'm ex i'm kind of exploring the idea of um what what exactly is an entity you know it, i mean the, it even brings uh brings it back to us as human beings, you know, uh, for now, the way that I experience, uh, let's say the gods or disincarnate entities, uh, I, I often, uh, call them archetypes in a way, because I feel them as just as a different kind of energy. Uh, and I haven't, for myself, I haven't had an experience that has convinced me a hundred percent that it it's not uh, a part of my own experience. You know, um, sorry, I'm not being clear. That the these entities behave like more like waves of energy than actual volitional or uh yeah entities sentient and with a, a a personal will which doesn't mean that they they don't have that you know um but then i mean we could go really far and say well what what says that we have really true free will and that so we are not just I want to interrupt you because you've you've already kind of with that question you've bumped into a lot of very foundational um, things that are worth getting well organized in one's mind and yeah well I mean I think, go ahead and well maybe maybe you have something very precise because I can uh, if I don't want it to be too um, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, too convoluted, and because um, basically I'm wondering about the na the the nature of those. Well, okay, let's put it very simply. Ian, do you think 
the gods or <laughs> disincarnate entities have will. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> well, you can make it simple, but I'm going to I'm going to make it complicated before I get back to the simple. So go um, ahead, go ahead. Um, so I do want to address parts of your question because I think uh, they're very important. Um, uh, not in just identifying some specific meaning in conversation, but in uh, for anyone that might listen to this on a path of uh, becoming an adept in whatever way, um, that distinguishing very clearly that which you know from direct experience and that which you receive on faith, which is an important part, like you need to be able to receive uh, potential models of reality and um, uh, understandings from people who have traveled the path before. You need to be open to that, but you also need to know very clearly what is your direct experience and how does it meet that. Um, and so I just didn't want to let that disappear because I think that's uh, that's like the fundamental through line to the path of a spiritual adept. Um, and, uh, okay. So, um, so then the other thing we need to parse a little bit, uh, in order to answer the question clearly and simply, um, is, uh, what is free will and where can we, in what context can we talk about it um, sensibly? Um, and the way that I've come to to navigate this and, and model it for my own day-to-day -day, uh, experience and for my students um, is to uh, propose that we develop the ability to uh, simultaneously understand things at uh, different levels. I think of them as valences um, in which, you know, the, the center is, is uh, ultimate reality, um, unity, totality, uh, that which are without distinction. Can, you, can you just is, repeat that word? So, I'm sorry, if, uh, valence, 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 I just like, Valences are uh, from uh, the chemical model of an atom. The electrons okay. orbit an atom at cool. different distances from the atom. Okay. And so they have a, uh, you could say orbits, you could, you could say like the different planets with respect to the sun. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, I didn't want to. I, I want to make sure that I, I I get what you you're saying. So. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so we want to be able to understand our experience multivalently. Uh, and so the word equivalent is you know equal valence, and the word multivalent is. Uh, mm. Uh, so we're we're understanding things on two different levels at the same time, um, and on the one level, like you know, I I choose to 
walk up the mountain today or I choose not to or I choose what I'm going to have for breakfast. Uh, it feels like choice. And uh, there may be some utility to unwinding that illusion because it is an illusion. But uh, there's also some dysfunctionality in the day-to-day to, -day to um, demand of yourself that you recognize in every moment. Uh, there's no free will. There's no choice. There's no agency. But from the, the level of um, the absolute, the level in which, um, you know, out of the absolute, uh, the experienced world is born and returns, um, there is only pattern, and pattern that affects pattern, and, and uh, there's no uh, isolation even, you know, individuals, different objects, you know, they're, they're really just fields of being, fields of pattern that um, are influencing each other and, and on this fractal and fugal dance on the way from here to there. Um, so, um, so the feeling of having a choice is is really just um, all of the different preceding patterns converging into the next pattern. Um, and it is determined, in my view. Um, and I think in a uh, shared traditional Enlightenment tradition uh, view. Um, so when we ask, do the entities have will? Um, uh, it's not really clear what we're asking, you know. Uh, so um, to me, uh, you know, it's just pattern, I guess. So, uh, and the entities themselves, uh, just as we are, are just a temporary coherence of a particular pattern. Um, and uh, it comes together like a breath, and then it disperses again. And whether that coherence is a moment or 16,000 years, um, is uh, not important, really. It's just, it's still a breath, whichever, whatever the time frame is. Um, and so that, that a particular being, you know, reveals itself to me or something, you know, you can make these stories, but it's better not to make the story, you know, it just, it's happening. Uh, you know, even the words I'm speaking, the the words that I uh, shape after an experience to convey that experience, um, those two are determined. So it's just kind of um, this interaction, this play, this dance of light, this play of pattern. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I think that we could ascribe will to them as much as we ascribe will to ourselves. But then I think that's a story that we can use in order to 
communicate with each other. But it, I think that we shouldn't uh, forget that the uh, apparent agency, the apparent existence of choice uh, is an illusion at the same time. So I would argue for maintaining both those perspectives at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. I've uh, recently, I, I was, I don't know what I was doing, some, probably uh, something trivial. And just this thought came into my head and it's, uh, you know, like you want to get to the truth. I don't know if that, what it, where that, came, that thought came from. <clears throat> you want to get to the truth. Well, to feel that you got to the truth with a big T about anything, actually, um, to me, the indication you, you, you got there is when you get to paradox. Like, um, and that's why I, like, I kind of uh, personally distinguish between reality and truth uh, itself. Uh, and, well, speaking like you, you were... Like with, with what you were saying, um, what is generally called uh, reality seems to you like it's an illusion. And I understand that. And, you know, to, to me, like uh, uh, this is it's completely unoriginal what I'm going to say, but uh, it's again, it's the limits of language. You know, we all were you're we're always stuck in those like little boxes, which are words. And I tend to see um, in my own <laughs> practice, if you want to call it that, my life, <laughs> um, it's better to use uh, or it's useful to use um, uh, words as more than definite things, like more than numbers, use them as uh, variables, you know? So basically I see words as a container which we uh, collectively put meaning inside of to, you know, to be able to interact with each other. Um, but there are so those words that are, uh, you know, like tricky that we, there's, if you open it up, if you unpack it, there's a whole bunch of shit in there that like, we, it's like, why? No, I don't agree with this, but I agree. Like everybody, like if I tell you, oh, can you bring me an apple? Like there's very little chance that you're going to bring me a, a screwdriver, you know, like it's pretty clear what's in there. But reality, love truth like it's almost to the point where well what is what's the use of those words afterwards after all you know so reality to i i try to use the the word reality as what what is is uh part of this flow you know part of this uh part of this big fractal that started to grow and mutate uh, since the beginning of time, I guess. Reality to me is related to time. But then it's what I put into it. And when someone tells me reality, there's a deeper reality or something like that, I totally get it. And 
I understand the like uh, a definition of reality that negates the 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 way that I portray it, and which is I'm trying to also to make it uh, closer to people's experience, so we can use it um, again collectively. You know, like if 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 reality is an illusion. Uh, well, yeah, there that maybe you ha already have a lot to say on all, all this, but uh, it brings me to another question that I, I, I wanted to ask you about is um, if reality is an illusion, ah, it's going to sound like a pothead question. I don't even s smoke pot, whatever. <laughs> if reality is an illusion, man, <laughs> why don't we just fall into you know nihilism you know so and i have my own uh answers to that questions and my own experience that um i just want to make it clear that i i i freed myself from the nihilism but even the way that you you've used uh i've listened to an interview that you did Uh, I think in last July or something like that on a, another podcast, uh, and you you uh, use the term Tao as radiant emptiness, and I love that representation of whatever void. The consideration that uh, reality is an illusion brings us into, you know. There was a lot there. I don't know if uh, you can. There's, yeah, it's, it well, inspires let's, something. It's good. Uh, let's wander in that space a little bit. So, um, uh, so I, I think it's useful to um, to narrow in on on a somewhat stable way, you know, enduring way that you want to use the word reality. Um, the way I use it is uh, inclusive of, but not limited to the experienced reality that, you know, we call it illusion. And, and even the, the word illusion that I would, uh, I would want to sort of pull that word apart before I would want to pull apart the word reality. The, um, The word reality, I think, is useful and uh, because the truth that we're looking for that will set us free um, is uh, the truth of what is really real, you know, and, and uh, the way that, um, you know, in common parlance, uh, one can say an entity, a god, a... a a ghost uh, is not really real. You, you know, um, you don't make any sense. You're talking about these things and it's not real. Um, and uh, rather than bring my understanding of the word reality and my understanding of reality to, to meet that word, uh, the way it's used in that context, I would argue that uh, the job is, is the reverse to, to break down that understanding of reality so that it can open to a bigger understanding of reality. 
you know, most of the uh, developments in our own understandings uh, along the way are that kind of process of uh, breaking down a boundary, a vessel that is uh, limited in itself and is limiting ourselves. And we break it open, it's bigger, and now we've got a bigger vessel, and we got to break that down. And then we've got, you know, and eventually there's no vessel. And um, so the way I use the word reality uh, is to refer to um, the boundless reality, the radiant emptiness, the the uh, the reality that that is inclusive of all things, uh, completion, totality, um, and uh, it includes. You know, we could say big R and little R. You know, uh, our <laughs> our day to day, our touch experience, our sense experience, even our thoughts. We can call this little r reality, um, but what is really real uh, is inclusive of all things and unchanging because there can no can be no change in the boundless um, mm -hmm. that which out it has no time and space so it can't develop and morph um, and. Uh, In my uh, in my view, it's a it's a good use of the word reality in that context. Well, I I think I think we're uh, we're closer uh, in our definition because, as I said, I, it's it's uh, more useful for me to see it to see a word as a, a variable uh, variable yeah var variable <laughs> not variable. sure how to pronounce it yep. variable, variable yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, and so um, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm just trying to parse, you know, what um, within this reality of of movement. To me, it's more, at this point the word needs uh, means uh, the movement. So, what has impact? on that movement. So it does include um, other things than just the physical reality, you know, an emotion is not seen by anyone. And of course, people are going to say, well, you know, it's uh, electrical and chem chemical impulses. But yeah, but I mean, how do they come up? How do, do they form? That's that's just the physical manifestation of it. And uh uh, so, but something triggered those impulses outside of just uh, sometimes outside of just physical stimuli, you know. So uh, for, I have no problem including ghosts and gods into my definition of reality, you know, because it's sure. uh, variable. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but I want I'd like to, if you don't mind. Uh, I'd like to bring it back to um, this idea of nihilism. Uh, I, I, it feels like uh, it might feel over the, the course of those interviews that I'm doing that I, I often come to that uh, subject very often because I think it's, uh, I don't want to call it a menace, 
because to me, my uh, I the way that I've grown through the nihilism has been very important to my understanding uh, of <laughs> truth and reality. <laughs> my understanding. <laughs> um, no, I- but you know, there's so much that is going on right now that like for people to fall into that trap of nihilism, it's going to happen to a lot of people, I believe, in <laughs> starting now, maybe it hasn't has started in the last few years, you know, so I'm already at that point where I'm asking, I'm trying to figure out how to help people get out of this uh, suicidal uh, state of mind, you know, uh, and I don't know what your experience of, of nihilism is. Maybe you, you, you have never fell for that trap, uh, but maybe I don't know. Do you have any anything that comes up when when mentioning that word? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with that uh, part of human experience uh, intimately, and um, I think that uh, you know the the journey you describe. Um, of yourself, uh, your own journey, um, is uh, precisely evidence of um, the fullness of that emptiness, and that uh, going into that void. Uh, led to uh, growth and development and uh, love and compassion and uh, optimism and um, uh, the the generative impulse you know the creative impulse which is yeah uh, even even uh, coming out of a nihilistic state the generative impulse is an expression of hope and optimism and love and compassion and desire to connect and desire to be whole. And uh, nihilism is a common step along the way. Um, And it is different than the emptiness that we talk about in the traditional language, you know, as I know you're aware of. but uh, the reason I pair those words um, and, uh, is is a way to express that you know uh, the the form of emptiness and the emptiness of form, the the fullness of emptiness, um, and that uh, uh, knowing that those you know that word pairing is paradoxical. And being comfortable with it is um, is part of developing the mind to to uh, be a capable vessel of higher truth. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's a touchy <laughs> subject because it's it's uh, yeah. Well, as I was saying, uh, it feels to me like if you want to get if you want to live truthfully, uh, I think you've you've kind of worded it. Uh, that's basically what you said, but uh, inhabiting this state of uh, living paradox is kind of the trick. I'm, I'm not sure how, maybe uh, you can talk about that, but I'm not sure how it can be teached. You know, like it feels like just something that happens and that you, well, for me, um without getting too deep in my own experience uh i well there's two experiences that i'm not going to describe but one was very dark when one uh at a particular time in my life in my 20s in my early 20s um i just decided to embrace the darkness and all those dark feelings and the despair that I felt, uh, and which happened over the course of a night, uh, one night. And when I woke up in the morning, that feeling of having nothing to lose, you know, that starts with, well, I got nothing to lose, you know, but it ends with, oh, I got nothing to lose, you know? And that that brilliance that I absorbed that morning and the other time uh, was uh, just very simple, just meditating. And then just this thought that came in my head, like, oh, life's a game. Like, it's, it's a game. And it sounds so trivial and people say this. And, but... I felt like the the I felt that that phrase in all my cells in all my atoms you know and it, even that is too too much of a uh, materialist way of putting it well not really like it was like some kind of transcendence and I just started to laugh you know so that's, I think those two experiences, the first pushed me into nihilism and the void and the second pulled me out of it, you know, but mm -hmm. to my point, which I'm <laughs> struggling to make concise, um, is this, um, I don't think I could have been teached that you know, so maybe that's why my, my path feels so solitary and maybe I've never met, like, uh, maybe I'm not ready for the master, you know, to teach me. Um, so can it, can it be helped or, because you said something like, like it's a step uh, in people's evolution, if you want to call it that. So is it is nihilism like a, a necessary step and can people be helped with that at all or should we just look and hope for the best 
Yeah. Um, I mean, there are a lot of interesting things in there. Um, I think there's a way in which, um, you know, nothing can ever be taught. You can only sort of point out what you already know. and But that's a helpful process and say, you know, uh, I recognize what you recognize, and in recognizing it together, we have confidence in its veracity. Um, and that's very supportive, and that's why it's supportive to have uh, companions on the way, as we say in Taoism, you know, uh, um, And, you know, as a teacher, um, I, you know, I, I'd say probably one of my failings as a teacher is, is trying to explain things, <laughs> you know, when, when actually uh, it's more true that um, you can only know what you already know. Um, but I, uh, I do find that as a teacher, as a friend, um, you can help establish the conditions for self-realization. And, um, and one of those conditions uh, in the context of nihilism might be um, hope or faith. Um, and faith not in the sense of, you know, I believe in some Taoist god or some Christian god or something, but in um, maybe two things. Maybe in that there is an ultimate truth and that uh, in the context of our experiences, change is the only truth. And so this feeling is, you know, a moment in a sequence of change. And uh, knowing that uh, the feeling and what you think and what you think about what you think uh, will be different in the morning. Uh, and the difference between uh, I have nothing to lose, you know, as an angered contraction and I have nothing to lose as a beautiful liberation uh, is the difference of, um, you know, a few moments in time. And so if, if that faith can be shared, then the self-realization, the self-recognition can be supported and enabled. You know, and like when somebody... Um, is in danger of hurting themselves, which is kind of what you're alluding to in, in kind of desperate times. Um, not of your own experience, I'm not projecting anything there, but in terms of a cultural uh, despair. Um, in, in the case of uh, supporting an individual in a, in a moment of crisis, 
really all you're doing is protecting them from harm until the moment passes, until they bring themselves through it. And that's a good analogy for um, everything else that we do. <laughs> you know, it may not have that extreme uh, appearance, but um, if your child is in a temper temper tantrum and uh, you know throwing things, banging whatever they do, you know, um, your your only job is to uh, establish safety until that particular uh, turbulence, that weather pattern passes through. Um, and I do think it's uh, important to have those extremes of human experience in order to understand yourself and others. You know, I, I think that um, really one of the um, one of my strengths as a teacher, as a human, is is the breadth and depth of my uh, direct human experience, and uh, as a result, like I can hear you, and mm -hmm. and that is mostly all a person needs. That's the safety zone. Uh, I'm not crazy. I'm not bad. I'm not whatever. Uh, I'm just human. And uh, I am known. I am known and not alone. <laughs> I love that. Um, and it's funny because, yeah, that's why I want to do, to do these encounters. It just... It's funny because there's a, just a a, a move a movement that you did with your hands uh, that people listening to just audio are not gonna see, of course. But this uh, move that you made with uh, kind of in protecting people, like a, like for example, a friend or a student or a child, and this move that you made with your uh, your hand, like a like a like a protective shell um, that um, teached me a, a little or a lot because I, I think I'm gonna and I'm gonna tell you why is because <clears throat> you know even the term hope sometimes I have a, a, a hard time with not because I don't experience it but because uh, I try to trying is maybe the right the wrong word, but I tried to go towards a space or a mindset that um kind of nullifies the very idea of danger you know that that I, I 
there isn't any danger. So I don't need hope, you know, like if I, I I'm in suffering, you know, um, by observing that suffering, usually it's enough. I don't really need to do anything to get out of it. Uh, although if I put my hand on a burning stove, I will remove it. Um, but you know, like the, cause I had a question I want to ask you, but, um, and we're already getting to the end. I like for sure, like that's not enough. And I hope you have <laughs> other occasions. Uh, but you know, like I want to ask you, uh, precisely what your 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 relationship was like with your, your with uh, master wu who seemed like a like a very very important uh, figure in your life and um but i, I don't want to get necessarily into that question because there's a bigger one like um what is the role of a teacher and a master you know because and Apparently, they they take uh, different forms, different shapes, and for me, I think the the biggest the the most important teacher is uh, nature, and uh, more precisely, trees and plants, uh, which is very ironic because I I have I still kind of have a hard time keeping them alive, but. Um, <laughs> You know, I've I've had this uh, transformative uh, experience with um, a poem, uh, Rumi poem. In fact, just a sentence, and uh, he was talking about more or less uh, about the the voice that set that says to the rose to to open, you know, to bloom. And from when I, the moment I read that sen sentence, I said, oh, that's what I want to hear, you know, that voice of nature. And then we see in nature as just as much death as there is life. That's normal, you know. So not to ramble <laughs> too much, which, well, it's kind of too late for that, but... Um, <laughs> You know, like it's it's it puts into a weird twist on how should we act with other peoples and with other people, and because uh, you've described yourself as a teacher, which is something like I would never be able to do. You know, uh, maybe, and that's that's not a like it's not shade on you or anything. It's more dis uh, descriptive of uh my struggling with what impact should i have on other people's natural uh happenings you know but that movement to bring it back to that that also i guess has to come from a natural impulse uh that protecting of people who are suffering or in a weaker state or something like that. Yeah, it, it's a complicated question to answer because it 
uh, sort of weaves back and forth among the valences, as we were talking about earlier. So, um, you know, and I hold it, I hold the role, I hold the idea comfortably, paradoxically, and because uh, I don't propose to have an impact, actually. I, I just... Um, uh, there, you know, in a, in any given group of humans, you know, that they have different patterns and, um, my pattern is a teacher pattern. And, uh, so I inhabit that and I, uh, uh, you know, do my best to express that pattern uh, as gracefully and and uh, with strength and compassion that I can. But uh, but the main uh, the main action is just um, really being able to hear somebody who's who's. Uh, on the path and having experience and doesn't know what to do with it. And so I hear it. Mm. I'd say, I understand. I've had that experience and maybe add some detail about uh, my own experience, if it seems like that's supportive, but uh, that's it. And then, you know, I, in some ways I'm, an instructor in a much lesser way. Like I have methods, you know, if methods are, are what's uh, required on your path right now, then uh, here's some methods and they help establish the conditions for your own self-development, which will happen anyway, you know, uh, but it can be more graceful or it can be harder um, and the methods make it easier. Um, and having somebody to um, share your experience and and hear it and and uh, potentially help you parse what's um, uh, what you're making up and what you're not, because um, uh, in this time of of um, uh, you know, total knowledge on the internet. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, you can, uh, if you're uh, on a spiritual path, you can, um, you can imagine that you're having experiences. And so one of the roles that a teacher has is to say, um, uh, are you sure? You know, <laughs> really? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Um, because certain things go with other things. You know, the pattern is not isolated. It's not like this, uh, uh, you know, I just blasted open my, um, you know, upper dantian or something or third eye or whatever it is, whatever the barrier, some barrier just got, got crossed and it's, if somebody is relaying, um, you know, all the right language, but doesn't have all the other signs, 
they're they're stuck in a loop and they can a mental imaginary loop and mm -hmm. it can be a benefit for a teacher to say uh are you sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah, I'm, 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 uh, man, I, I just, I just want to do this forever. I just love <laughs> speaking with the, um, this same, uh, nucleus of wisdom that, you know, like comes through each and one of us. And I don't know, like, it's just the second interview that I'm doing and already I feel like I'm learning deeply, you know, like I, I was so stressed, like, oh, I have to make this entertaining for people. And, you know, like it has to be uh, not too boring. And I didn't really uh, expect this experience to be so full of yeah teaching for me you know and oh yeah i want i just want to make sure uh, make clear that uh um i didn't i didn't uh um my intention was not to uh, get you to justify what makes you you know oh no i, I able to I'm, call I'm, it I'm, call yourself a teacher you know that's absolutely not what i meant yeah no one, uh, of, the, one of the benefits of of making some uh progress internally is is uh you know <laughs> you, you lose the the concern for yeah qualification and attribution and it's not about even if it. what it even yeah. if it was what I meant like it it wouldn't wouldn't have bothered you like yeah <laughs> I guess yeah, no, it, you know I, I went to the at the I went to a a bun Zolchin, uh hmm. retreat and um a while back and uh in that context in that community somebody was like how can you call yourself a meditation teacher it's like, I, you know, I don't call myself anything. It's just what I do, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Something you j maybe uh, just end up um, uh, noticing that you say things and you've lived things and you share them and some people learn from them. So that makes you a teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, in uh, it's interesting in different... Uh, spiritual communities, um, uh, the opportunities for trading out a rigid worldview for another one, uh, rather than using this context and this wisdom to break open your worldview. Um, uh, that, uh, I didn't articulate it well, but it, anyway, that, it's easy for that to happen um, and not helpful. You were stuck there and now you're stuck here. It's, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a little better. Maybe it's some positive energy there. Maybe you're in a better community or something, but, yeah. um, but there's no 
development. Um, at some other retreat, somebody said to me, you know, you're not practicing Qigong in our prayer sessions, are you? It's like, no, if you bring like an idea of, uh, you know, crystallized purity into, you know, the lexicon of the of the tradition or the, or you know, the specific words the guru happens to say on that day, you're um, you're moving in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to to make these sessions uh, longer. I just it's maybe it's my uh, you know like I, I I'm just starting. I I uh, in, I'm inviting people over to speak with me, and I bear I barely have any followers uh, at the moment. So maybe I'm like oh maybe just an hour, you know. But for sure, like it's it's not enough. <laughs> I wanted yeah, to, you know, like yeah. I, I go find ahead. that um I find that uh there's a there's a there's a human rhythm uh that tends to wrap itself up after 90 minutes and that uh at that point um going away and coming back is better than continuing. Um, oh, I see. Uh I don't know if that's that's just an observation. I don't know if that's fixed in some way, but um, uh, in teaching, like on retreat, where all all you're doing is teaching all day, um, if you go over ninety minutes, you're kind of wasting time. And uh, I see. Uh, so I wonder, you know, may, maybe uh, maybe that's true in this context too. And and uh, uh-huh. having. Uh, follow-up conversations when you've had enough guests in between that it feels like coming back is interesting and fun. Um, yeah. Then uh, that would be good. But, I, you know, uh, I don't think you need to justify yourself. You bring a lot to the table and, and uh, people will enjoy um, the conversation and the journey and uh, they'll be glad to, sure. to have said yes. I'm sure. I so, hope I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I look at my my list of questions, I mean, we haven't talked about talked about divination. We haven't talked about uh, what is there. Uh, do you have a model of the ego? Uh, a distinction between enlightenment and awakening? Like, oh, we could talk for hours. So, yeah, I, I think we're gonna wrap it <laughs> yeah, up for today. To get into it. Yeah, we can. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and you know like i'll figure like some people have uh models where the uh they have like a first hour is free for everyone and then second hour uh is for like patreon supporters or something like that yeah i mean especially for like me in my situation like right now by by being very by living very 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 frugal in a frugal way <laughs> i can manage to just do this you know but that's not eternal like i'm gonna have to uh get the money in so but still like i'm struggling with that like uh, 
there's as uh, I don't know if you if you've ever heard of Charles Eisenstein. Uh, he said once uh, there's because he's his own business model is based on donations, and um, uh, he said there's enough. I think there's enough uh, scarcity in the world without creating more. And all and now that's me uh, talking. Uh, all all this knowledge, like I, I want it to be as available as it is. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of a, a, a dilemma uh, for me to figure all this out. But you know, this idea of having a longer conversation and making part of it access accessible for. You know, I don't know why I'm saying that to you. Maybe you have ideas on that, and we can talk about it yeah. <laughs> later. I would, I would wait till uh, you get some momentum, and then you can decide how to shape things. You know, right? Um, I think that uh, you know that I've always worked on the donation uh, path, and it's worked out. Um, it tends to. Um, what the energy you put in tends to come back. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's not always a possibility. Uh, you got to work with the reality you have, but also sort of uh, look forward with optimism to the potential yeah. reality. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So the uh, we're at the end of our talk for today so where ian duncan where can people learn about you and your work where can they keep up with the things you want to share with them yeah uh, every, all the the links are going to be in the the show notes but uh if you want to address that yeah uh the website is completereality.org uh org um And uh, you can sign up for a newsletter there. I, I've been relatively inactive um, on socials um, and newsletter for a while now. Um, I've got a uh, website revamp that I haven't quite finished. That uh, you know, but uh, but that will remain the hub of however you might want to find me. I I do have an account. I think everything's at either Complete Reality or Ian or Duncan uh, on the various things. But I'm not posting actively on... Uh, I started a Twitter, but I haven't... I think Twitter is, is the least offensive social, so I, I might um, uh, have that be my main um, outward uh, projection. Um, but everything will be findable via completereality.org. All right. Uh, well, uh, shall we say until next time? <laughs> until next time, absolutely. It was a pleasure. All right. Thank you so much for, for this, uh, not only for your presence, uh, your physical presence in front of the this uh, machine called the computer, but for your heartfelt uh presence too. Thank you very, very much, uh, Ian. Thank you. 
So you've made it to the end of this Hopscotch Chronicles podcast episode, and I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed doing it. And I thank you so much for your attention, and I hope you, uh, you're benefiting in a way or another from this conversation. So if you'd like to follow my work, whether on this podcast or my uh, personal work, you can go to Twitter or X and follow me at Domi underscore Valet, D-O-M-I underscore Valet. Same username for uh, Instagram, if you prefer that platform. You can also go to the official website for the podcast, which is hopscotchchronicles.com. And if you'd like to support the podcast as well as my personal work, you can do so by subscribing to my Patreon. The address is patreon.com slash Dominique Valley, D-O-M-I-N-I-C Valley, V-A-L-L-E-E. There you'll find video and audio versions of the, uh, the episodes without any commercials, as well as special episodes on every Sunday where I take my Sunday afternoon tea with you guys. All right, thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep reaching for the light. Mm-hmm.